More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. Family Business Health and Well-Being Authentic leadership going forward depends on whether or not next-generation family business members can prioritize their well-being. Altruistic work is not sustainable work. Growing the business is impossible if we neglect ourselves. Working in her family's foundation from the age of 15, Ellie Fry-Zagel felt eclipsed by the organization and its leadership's personas. Eventually, her responsibilities grew to such an extent that she reached a breaking point and had to take time off. Before she could fulfill her work obligations, however, she had to figure out what she owed herself. Zagel's experience coming to terms with isolation, obligation, and overwork informs her passion for next-generation mentorship. Her brand, Successful Generations, is a resource for leaders to promote healthy decisions and personal boundaries. We spoke to Ellie to learn more about the journey to family business health and well-being. Enjoy this episode with Ellie. We're going to talk about you first, because, you know, our listeners don't have the advantage of moi, who uh, has now spoken to you a few times and knows a little bit more about you and what motivated you into this space. But I think it would be a really great preset to tell us a little bit more how you came to be a coach, really. That would be a fantastic way of starting this conversation. Sure. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. This is so exciting. One of my favorite topics. So I have been in the family enterprise space for about 25 years now, both professionally and personally. And our family bank was sold when I was about 12 or 13 and our family foundation was created. And I was asked to be involved with a couple of um, siblings and cousins when I was 15 years old. And so I really started to work with my family around the boardroom table at that age. And Mm -hmm. of course, like any teenager, I couldn't even spell the word philanthropy, much less really (laughs) understand all the nuances of it. And so it took me uh, living in Africa and it took me uh, into kind of the global philanthropy world and asking a lot of questions and going to a lot of conferences to really come into my own self as a philanthropist. Mm -hmm. So fast forward, I moved to the city where my family's foundation is held and got a job first in commercial real estate, and then recruited out of commercial real estate for uh, to run a family business center. Family business centers mm-hmm. are all over the world, and they basically bring multi-generational family businesses together to help with a feeling of not alone, to help educate, you know, basically do a lot of the things that your podcasts do, mm-hmm. but just usually in person. And so I didn't necessarily recognize myself in the family business space until this time. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I was going to be on the board of my family's foundation. And I was going to run eventually my family's foundation. I knew this from a very early age. So I started getting coaching and I started also getting therapy. (laughs) And that comes a little bit later. And just because I was grappling with some anxiety issues that I just didn't know what to do with. And what I soon realized is that both in the coaching area and the therapy area, they didn't understand me. And when I reached out to my other, my other counterparts, 
people are experiencing the same thing. You know, things that they wanted to really conquer, they still weren't conquering. Um, you know, they, just there, there was this disconnect between the service providers and the next generation of family business. So uh, after I experienced my own set of burnout, and maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit, I had to leave my job. I realized that truly my passion was serving and helping this next generation, next generation leaders. And really what I wanted to do was do it from the coaching one-on-one aspect. You were facing therapists, you were facing coaches that didn't seem to be able to like, you know, empathize properly with the issues that you were particularly facing as being a next gen. Can you hone in a little bit more on like, what are the feelings or what are the, the, the pressure points that you felt they didn't understand? So I think that's such a, a fantastic question because you're right. I have this list of pressures and stress factors that my clients and myself have faced throughout the years. Anybody, any leader or future leader is going to feel similar stresses and, and pressures. It's in the nuance. I mean, there's, there's some, obviously some nuance when it comes to dealing and, and being part of a family that mm-hmm. is either well-known or has a lot of responsibility within a business or a community. And this is what I didn't feel that my coaches and my therapists understood. You know, when you coach these next gens today, what are the most frequent pressures or like sort of like miscommunications that you see between the families and these next gens that really cause a situation that is no longer possible for them to handle on their own, basically, that is no longer something that they can do without someone like you helping them out. Once when I was asked the question, why do family businesses not succeed, you know, generation to generation? And I immediately said, and this is pretty early on, like communication. Mm-hmm. And there's just a, you know, a lack of communication. I've since revised that. I've since revised it to conversation. And I really believe that there is, um, one of the pressures is that there's not a lot of conversation mm-hmm. that go on. I'll use my family as an example. I had to figure out philanthropy basically on my own. And I know that some of your, your uh, listeners will understand when I say that my father said, do not talk about philanthropy. Do not tell anybody that you're involved mm-hmm. in this foundation. Mm-hmm. This is incredibly private. And so what ended up happening is I didn't talk about philanthropy, even though I was going to board meetings um, either two times or four times a year yeah. with mm. anybody. So again, it was a, this inability to even have conversations with my siblings or mm. my cousins about philanthropy and what we were experiencing, what we're learning and how you do it well. And so I really had to break that pattern or that mold, really. I really had to go kind of go against the grain in mm-hmm. order for me to have the conversations that I needed to be having. So let's go back to, again to conversations. You know, communication to me, at least, is I'm communicating to you. We're not having mm-hmm. a conversation. I'm just telling you things that you need to know. Mm-hmm. And depending on who you are, you could be a very good communicator or not, right? That mm-hmm. just could be a skill set mm-hmm. that you that you need to develop. A conversation is a dialogue. Sure. When you are planning somebody else's life, <laughs> uh, if you are the first generation figuring out how to the next generation, the second generation can succeed you, uh, and you don't involve them in that conversation, then that's communication and nobody likes that. Now it feels like yeah. obligation. Now it feels mm-hmm. really kind of kind of icky. Uh, and that's a whole additional set of, of pressures that get exacerbated by this, this one thing, this, this communication piece or this conversation piece. 
I also think that something else that exacerbates these pressures include like passive aggressive behavior. I know that's very, that, that happens a lot. And then also something that I've been noticing lately is that, um, having the wrong people around the boardroom table. And so you might have the right person in leadership, president, CEO, and that person might be family, but you might have the wrong person, people on the board. And that can be a huge pain point. What are sort of like the first few things that you tell someone to dislodge and to structure in their minds to sort of like get out of that initial sort of like crisis moment, a crisis moment that we know many people that even probably listen to this podcast are currently experiencing. So what do you do to shift, to pivot uh, the perception of that person so that they can structure the problem and then like, you know, tackle it more successfully? First, I tell my clients to breathe. And I know that sounds really simple, but I get a lot of phone calls, usually first thing in the morning. And my clients are like, oh my goodness, I have to do this and I do this. And I don't want to do this. I'm feeling so like, I feel like this is going wrong. And it's just, it's just, you're starting off the morning in anxiety Mm. and overwhelm. And where do you go from there? (laughs) Oh, we're good. (laughs) Yeah. So I know it sounds very simple, but all the leaders tell you to do it, right? There must be something to it. Just taking some big belly breaths, whatever, however it is, just to get your shoulders down a little bit is where I have people start. Now, Mm. they've already started because they've called me, right? They've called, whether it's me, whether it's another coach, whatever it is, whoever is part of their health team, Mm -hmm. they've already reached out. And Mm -hmm. that is huge first step. It's a huge first step. So, and, and one that's not necessarily easy, right? Cause you, you have yeah. to realize that there's, there's something wrong and that you need support in order to deal with yeah. it. Yeah. So once I have people breathing again, um, some of the things that we would do over a set of time is really kind of take a look at what is causing this. And it's usually overwhelm and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like what is causing them to be there? And the work mm-hmm. that I do is mostly in mindset. So we figure out what's going on in that beautiful brain of theirs mm-hmm. and just really create, shine a light, like create some awareness of what's going on. Mm-hmm. I will also have them do like worksheets to kind of create like, where do they want to go? Mm-hmm. Like this vision for the future. So, and there's a, there's a whole bunch of other things that I will do with them. But what I'm trying to do is get them back into themselves get them out of whatever else is going on out there, get Mm. them back inside themselves in their powers, what I call it. I don't exactly know what else to call it. So (laughs) hopefully that's not too woo-woo for your, for your audience. And, um, and from there they can make better decisions Mm -hmm. and move forward into the future that they want to create. In a nutshell, that's kind of coaching, right? Creating some awareness, painting a vision for the future, and then charting a path to that future. Can you tell us a little bit more about like, you know, the level of awareness that you encounter today when you talk to people and when you talk to families of that, these dynamics that we're talking about are really, they have repercussions on individual family members' health and even have repercussions potentially on the health of the people working for them because culture matters, right? Like the kind of company you come into and that you work in, it matters how you feel and, 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 and how, you, how you're able to, to keep healthy. So tell us a little bit more, Ellie, about, about that subject. 
Yes. It's honestly something that I fell into both with my own personal experience. And then unfortunately, and this is, this is something that fuels me. I had in one year, four people in my friend group pass away and they were all in family enterprise. They were all too young. And it was just something that I looked around and I was just starting my business. And I looked around like, okay, first of all, I'm not alone in my own health issues. And second of all, we are failing our leaders. Mm -hmm. And I still can get so caught up. And I also had um, one of my best friends get diagnosed with MS. Mm -hmm. And it just was all these things happening all at once. I'm like, okay, the universe is definitely telling me something. You know, I have this platform. I need to explore this a little bit more. And so what I was seeing is when I looked around at my friend group, I was seeing my 30-somethings go to the ER for panic attacks, thinking they were having a heart attack. And these are people running their family business, autoimmune diseases, stomach issues, anxiety, depression, and this Mm. this lack of willingness to actually have the conversation Mm. with anybody. And at least in the Midwest, we have this this kind of saying, like, you know, just rub some dirt on it, or Mm. (laughs) maybe this translates (laughs) to other cultures, I'm willing to bet, but just like stick it up, stick it out. You are tough you're strong. You need to be strong and tough if you're going to be a leader. Mm -hmm. And I think that this doesn't serve anybody. And the adage, at least here in the United States is, you know, if you want something done, you give it to a busy person. We just do not support our leaders, period. And then you add the family dynamics that we already just Mm -hmm. talked about and everything that makes family unique. So um, I personally experienced burnout when I was doing too much and I was had no boundaries, and I was saying yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And then I got invited to be the vice chair, elected to be the vice chair of my family's foundation. And that was my final straw. When you look at those two sort of like pull factors into feeling that busyness almost validates that we're doing well, like how do you see ways to, first of all, distance ourselves from that kind of behavior that you say is detrimental, but also like which of these aspects do you feel like has a stronger influence actually on people feeling or falling into that trap of thinking that, you know, having a batch of business is actually almost like qualifies them as performing or like qualifies them as actually doing their jobs. It's such an interesting dilemma because oftentimes the reason that we're in this space of busyness is because we think that busy equals worthy. And that is not true. (laughs) In the most fundamental way, you are worthy. This is what I truly believe, just as you are, Mm. as a human that you are, the imperfect person, the imperfect leader that you are. If I've made the step and I've been coached by you and you help me find that center a little bit more, and at least you help me bypass, you know, the the inevitable burnout that would be at the end of saying yes to everything. What are my ways of championing that kind of culture and thinking in the family? Do I have a way as a family member to bring this kind of awareness to the family as a collective? Or do you feel like, no, all of that, that kind of conversation always has to be had one-on-one. Like you basically have to sort of like inspire every other family member to sort of like, you know, find the coach of their own. Or do you think that as a family member, you can champion this kind of thinking in the collective of the family? It can be very hard in a family with family dynamics to kind of have your own identity that would be different than Mm -hmm. um, a previous identity. Um, None of this work that I'm talking about is easy. Mm -hmm. 
None of it. But the growth is the fun part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the hard work that you do in order to get to the person that you want to be. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that's a healthy, successful person, leader mm-hmm. that has their family around them or whatever the values that they have. Um, that is the reward. Mm-hmm. And so you might have to go through some really discomfort in order to get there. So I didn't want to say that this wasn't, that it was going to be all roses and rainbows. Like that is absolutely the work. Ellie, any, any parting words of wisdom for this episode? This is so much fun. I'm glad that we're having this conversation. Thank you so much for asking me to kind of share. There's so many other things that you and I can talk about. It'd be and so much, will, of course. Fun. Oh my goodness! I mean, great. we have we have microphones. Nobody can stop us, Ellie. That's a that's a Nobody. good thing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> love it. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes. 